Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. You've got Makala with you here today, and I'm really looking forward to connecting you with my guest speaker, um, Liv Hogarth from Working It Out. So Liv, thank you for being here. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, it's great. Michaela and um, speaking to the business audience. So Liv, to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit, little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Uh, yeah, so um, I guess cut straight to the chase, People, things women don't, generally don't talk about. I'm a 47-year-old woman, proud of it. Um, Tasmanian, um, I live on the eastern shore in Hobart, Um and I'm trying to learn to pronounce the name of the traditional lands, the Moomarimina, please. Well done. People, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I've got a cute little weatherboard with my house and my two, uh, sorry, my wife and my two chickens. Um, uh, I grew up on the northwest coast, though, um, so I sort of have that more regional experience, and, and but Hobart's been home since I've been about 16. And you work for Working It Out, which is a Tasmanian organisation. Can, so can you just tell us a bit about that as well? Yeah, yeah. So Working It Out um, is Tasmania's um, LGBTIQA plus support education and advocacy service. Um, we've been doing our things since about 1998. I think I said that right. Yep. So mm-hmm. 25 years, roughly. Um and yeah, really filling that gap in um, support for our communities around the state and educating people around how to provide, uh, well, yeah, just to be more aware of um, the fact that not everyone is straight, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> and how to how to work with people whose yeah identities are diverse from what you might expect. Awesome. And that's why I really was interested in getting you on the podcast today because we're actually working together on a little project in uh, with Kingborough Council, which is the area that um, I live in, uh, in Tasmania, um, to educate the business community on what it means to be inclusive to the LGBTQIA plus community. So I had a bit of a chat with Liv about over that and thought it'd be fantastic to get her on the podcast and give our audience a bit of an insight into what that could potentially look like in our own businesses. So Liv, have you always worked in this space? Uh, No, my first career was as a teacher, a PE teacher, um, mostly in high schools. Um, I guess during that career though even as I was at uni I was like I'm not really sure if teaching is exactly the thing that I want to be doing for my whole career um I I did plug away at it for a bit over a decade I guess um and then 
yeah, sort of uh, went for a job um, as a health promotion officer and wasn't successful in that job, but uh, one of the um, panel, the interview panel members um, told me about work of, with working it out. So um, got some work there as a casual trainer um, and yeah, haven't looked back back. So that was 10 years ago. I just had my 10th anniversary at the start of August. So um, yeah, kind of fell into it, uh, doing similar work, I guess, in that education space, but educating adults around inclusion, inclusion, inclusive practices. Um, also worked in kind of the communication and the and community engagement space and working out as well. But um, yeah, always done some education work. And now I'm, uh, my role is managing uh, our learning and some other programs. Awesome. I was actually thinking about this the other night, like the term, you know, LGBTQIA+, it kind of, it started off, in my memory, we kind of started off as gay and lesbian and then it kind of built out to add the BT and then we added the Q and then the IA and it's like for people who aren't in that space, like I'm in the space so I know what it means, but for Hmm. people who aren't in the space, it can be really confusing to know what it's all about. So can you just explain to us what what is the acronym? <laughs> what is it all? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's certainly not one of those beautiful acronyms that you can just pronounce as a word and everyone knows what you're talking about. No, it doesn't um, quite roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard someone the other day refer to it as an initialism, which kind of makes more sense. It's just the initials of a collection yes. of words. And um, and you're right, it has changed a lot over history. And, um, you know, even before it was gay and lesbian, it was just gay. Every mm. That term referred to everyone of any diversity. Um and so, yeah, it has had a lot of evolution over time. And um, for us here in Tasmania, it was really exciting. Uh, not that long ago, the Tasmanian government officially announced that they would add the A as part of their way of referring to our community um, to ensure people who identify with the A um, are included. Um, but overall, what we're talking about is people who whose identities uh, or bodies don't necessarily conform to or are different to um what our dominant culture and social expectations kind of expect in terms of who you're attracted to and you know, what your gender is like and, and what your body looks like. Um, so, yeah, we kind of have all these norms that the world presents to us. We grow up learning and growing to understand that this is the way the world works and the way things should be um, um, in all sorts of ways. But, yeah, particularly in terms of our um, our bodies, what, what it should look like in terms of whether you're male or female, um, and that those body characteristics define how you behave, how you get labelled in terms of your gender and how you should be seen by the world. Um, but also, um, and then that gender defines who you're expected to love, who you're expected to have relationships with. Um, and, and just the fact that everyone is expected to have a, you know, grow up, have a relationship, settle down, etc. Um, so yeah, but when, when we unpack it in terms of what the actual letters stand for and, and the, the labels, you know, people often ask, why do we need all these labels? The labels give us visibility, they give us understanding of ourselves and, and a, I guess a shorthand way of explaining our identity to other people as well. Mm. Um, and allows you to seek out other people who have that similar identity and, and create a sense of belonging and community and 
all that stuff. So, um, yeah, just to address each of the letters. So the L stands for lesbian, so women who are attracted to romantically or, you know, whatever other way to other women. Um, gay, in the use of it in the acronym, uh, is to make sure the men are included as well. So <laughs> <laughs> men uh, who are attracted to other men. Um, but you'll commonly hear women use gay to refer to their same-sex attraction as well. Um, bisexual um, is one of those terms that's had a bit of evolution, but I guess it's in a broad sense refers to people who are attracted to multiple genders or to people regardless of their gender. Um, transgender or trans, as that often gets shortened to, um, or you might also see trans and gender diverse as a you know broad descriptor. Um, talks is talking about people whose uh, the gender that they identify with is different to the gender that they were assigned at birth. So whatever box was ticked on their birth certificate, we call call that the gender you're assigned at birth. Um, and then intersex is often the one that people know least about. The I for invisible is often what people think or, you know, refer to it as. But no, I is for intersex. Um, and there we're talking about that, that those sex characteristics, the diversity in sex characteristics that I was talking about. So um, all those things that define who we are as a male or a female. So uh, genitalia, hormones, chromosomes, uh reproductive organs, if any of those things don't typically fit or neatly fit within our medical definitions of what a male or a female should look like, then um, that can come under that umbrella of intersex. Uh, and then the Q, mostly people understand it as being for queer, but can also refer to people who are still questioning their identity or in that stage in their life where they're unsure. Um, but queer is can be seen or has been seen in the past and used in the past as a, a slur um, towards our community members. But more recently, it's been reclaimed to take that power away from it being used against. And so people might use it either as an individual to describe their identity as, you know, not fitting in that heterosexual kind of norm um, or the gendered norms that we have, um, but also in a collective sense to talk about the community as a whole. So might describe it as a queer community. Um, and that recent addition of A, A actually can refer to three different identities. So asexual is, um, refers to the absence of sexual attraction. Um, another A word is aromantic. So that absence of more romantic or emotional attraction. Um, and then a gender can also um, come under that a so that absence of any sense of identity with any gender male or female or otherwise um yeah that's a long-winded way of answering that question but gives it all in a bit of a, a neat little package hopefully yeah and that was really interesting I actually I learned something then <laughs> so that was really cool I didn't realize what the a stood for so thank you for sharing that. That was really helpful. Um, and I just wanted to make the comment, how cool is it that women go first in, the, in that with the lesbian first instead of the gay? Normally things that's men come first. So I just wanted to yeah, right. point that out because i got to be. Yeah, <laughs> and there's an interesting history behind that as well. If you want Oh, to really? Just a little um, quick version. My understanding is I learned a couple of years ago that um, it was it was a formal adoption to acknowledge the um, efforts and, and impact and, and I guess support that 
the lesbian community gave to gay men through the AIDS epidemic. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So what does being inclusive of all the letters actually really mean? Yeah, yeah. So I guess what what it comes down to is the assumptions that we make every day about and and, and you know we don't do it consciously yeah. um you might have heard of something called unconscious bias yep. um so yeah just the things that we absorb we learn through our you know our, our families the media everything that we sort of take on board as we grow and um, to understand the world um we yeah we make these assumptions and these judgments about what we expect people to be like um, and so being inclusive is recognising that not everyone necessarily fits in those expectations or those kind of societal or cultural norms, as we might call them. Um, so once you recognise that not everyone fits in those expectations, you can take a step back and look at how you do things, what what you're doing in the first place, how you do it, the words you use, the way you design things, the way you think about things. Um and really, yeah, think about how you can do things differently that might not or shouldn't, doesn't, um, exclude people who otherwise may have been excluded or may, you know, be, um, find themselves living on the margins because they don't fit within those expectations. So it can be, or well, I think, like, for you know, myself as a, a gay woman after first met with you and chatted to you I actually went back and looked at my business website and I'm like wow it feels like a really big mountain to have to climb to you know take steps towards implementing this sort of thing in our businesses and I think it's just because you know we just don't know where to start like there's always a nice easy place to start so that anyone listening who might be taking their first steps towards inclusivity, could you suggest some practical ways that they can make their business or their workplace um, more welcoming for LGBTQIA plus individuals and, you know, from both an employee and a customer standpoint? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess the key thing is what I was saying before about um, avoiding assumptions, avoiding um, assuming everyone fits into those expectations. Um, I sort of um, was thinking about this question a bit and try and thought it might be useful to tr provide a bit of a, um, uh, what's the word, like a, a metaphor or um, so, but anyway, an example of, of how you might think about this. So uh, if you're thinking of a shop that sells clothes, you know, in our cultural context, so here in Australia or Western society, um, we think of certain clothes as being for girls or women and others as being for boys or men. Stores are often set up so that clothes are displayed in different areas. So you might have the men's wear and the women's wear. Um, and for me, as someone who's gone through a female puberty um, and so have the, you know, the curves that go with that, uh, but I, my preference is to wear what you might call more masculine clothes. Um, so, you know, I like my long pants to have pockets. Women's clothes don't always have that. Um, I think all I women like my... that, though. <laughs> yeah, well, like yeah. That's something that's desperately uh, missing. 
Yeah, I prefer my shorts to cover my thighs. Mm-hmm. Can't always get that in the women's section. Um, I like my button-up shirts to not have frills <laughs> or always be pink or some shade thereof. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, in so sometimes I, you know, venture into the menswear section um, to get the clothes that I prefer. So, but in doing that, you know, I, I feel a level of exclusion. I feel like in, I go into that area knowing that I might get some strange looks or I might feel a sense of judgment, um, that I might even be told that I'm going into the wrong place. And usually though, if I do buy clothes from the menswear section, they don't fit me properly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's different layers of that sense of who you are and what, you know, how you express yourself. So that all that stuff is to do with my gender expression. It's not necessarily my gender identity. They, you know, two different things we won't go too far into that just right now but um it's um yeah it's those little things that until you unpack those assumptions around um yeah the things that we uh sort of expect people to like or not like etc etc um that if you don't consider those then you don't look at things from a different perspective Mm. um and, you know, that's that's for me who, you know, I was assigned female, I identify as female, I just, you know, have more masculine clothing preferences. But consider uh, for someone who is a trans person um, who's, you know, everyday life, there's so many things that tell you that being trans is not okay. Um, and we, we're not so challenged, I guess, say if I, for example, was trans, we're not so challenged with... Um, someone in a you know a woman's body to call it that uh buying men's clothes wearing men's styles of clothes as you mentioned even um uh well any woman could prefer pants with pockets um but uh you know if you're a trans woman or a non-binary person or anyone who might be assigned male at birth who was wanting to buy a dress or buy a skirt you know the judgment there is, mm. is even more profound yeah um so yeah, I guess coming back to that analogy, uh, unpacking how you might make that clothes shop more inclusive or thinking about it from a staffing perspective. How do you make, if you have uniforms, how do you make those uniforms more inclusive? Thinking about clothes as just clothes rather than distinguishing them by gender, which could be a very diverse, you know, broad concept. Thinking about more, I guess, definable things like size or shape or color or fabric or how many frills something has or um yeah that anything that steers away from um that those assumptions that we might have around uh gender or sexuality or gender expression or body shape etc um so yeah the way you use language i guess to come back to some of those key things the way we use language or anything else that we might assign gender to so we use colors sometimes as you know pink is for girls blue is for boys um different kind of imagery has more of a, a feminine undertone or a masculine undertone or different styles um if you try and uh yeah unpack that sort of stuff and um yeah, just avoid those assumptions and judgments. Um, I guess visibility is a big thing as well. And um, there are certain symbols that the community can identify with. So uh, you probably have seen the rainbow flag or 
different versions thereof. Um, so having, you know, once you've had those um, thoughts about how, what can I do in my business or the way that I do things that um, at the, you know, behind the scenes makes things more inclusive, um, think about those front-facing things. So before someone even walks in your door, they might look at your website, they might look at your, um, you know, what's on display in your window. What can you show to signal to somebody that you are a, you know, you've you've thought about this stuff and displaying some sort of rainbow flag, whether it's a sticker on your door or, you know, something on your the front page of your website can be that first hook in to let people know, hey, I've actually thought about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And what about um, with service-based businesses? So with product-based businesses, it's really about trying to be, I suppose, a bit more fluid with, you know, this is for women and this is for men and the way we communicate that. But how about service-based businesses? So, you know, you've had experience in um, health, that sort of area. Yeah, that's right. What are some things that, you know, we can really think about there? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, at the core of a lot of it is the language, the way you use language. Yeah. So, you know, if you're gathering information from people to help you provide the best service, so um, names, uh, you know, that sort of information. Um, generally, by default, forms will have gender, mm. whether it's really something that impacts on how you give your service or not. Um, so con- considering whether you even need to ask a person of their, their gender and it if you feel like it is important for you to be able to provide the service in an appropriate way, making sure you go beyond just asking if someone's male or female, um, you know, especially that can be challenging on sometimes on um, uh, online form type templates. They, they can be sometimes limited if you're using a, you know, a template that's you know, already there and just adapting it to your business. Um, but yeah, if you can adapt, um, edit it to include uh, ways of for people to respond who aren't who don't identify as male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, so non-binary is usually the best third option to put in that context. Um, but you know that that's only three terms, and people might use other terms. So are there other ways that you could allow people to give another description of how they refer to their gender? Um, or even just having a blank space. If you again, if you need to ask gender, just have a blank space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, considering that sort of stuff. Um, if in the context of your business you ask people about their relationship status, how do you ask that question? Do you allow for people to identify that their partner is of the same gender, or that they, you know, it's not important whether you have a partner or not? Or you know, if you're asking for a person's um, emergency contact, how do you ask for that question? Some most places do just have emergency contact now, but you know, um, sometimes language can be exclusionary in in that sense, like that, you know, might be targeting a particular person who's of a particular relationship with you based on your gender. Um, so, yeah, opening the scope of the questions that you ask so that it allows for all possible responses. Like one other thing that I'll just mention that comes to mind for me is, mm. and you've already said it, it's about making the assumptions, like, the number of times where people just assume that my partner is a male or that I'm married, you know, that yeah. I have a husband. It's like that actually literally drives me insane. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is those verbal interactions as well. Like, yeah, you know, you go into, I don't know, 
hair salon or a nail salon or somewhere where the person providing you the service, there's, you know, a big part of it is that conversation. Mm. How do you frame your conversation? So yeah, you aren't making those assumptions. So if you, you know, you ask if someone has a partner, don't then follow that up with what's his name. If the person you're talking to is a woman. Yeah. Um, you know, you've gone to the effort of using partner perhaps to start with. That's a big tick. You haven't just assumed boyfriend or husband or a woman. Um, but, yeah, the way you use pronouns is really powerful as well because that gives a gendered assumption also. Yeah. Well, seeing as you've opened that door, <laughs> I want to ask a question about that because I've got, you know, one of my children is a young adult and the other's a teen still. And it was, it's so amazing and mind-blowing to me that, like, I've had to learn so much as they progressed through high school and had all these friends that would use different pronouns and things. And it's like I've actually gotten to a space where, because I was always getting it wrong, <laughs> and when, like, you know, their friends would get to a point and then they'd change their name and change their pronouns Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually in the practice now of referring to all of my kids' friends as they, them, to try mm-hmm. and stay in a safe sort of space where I can't get it wrong. So is yeah. that sort of a practice that is a good one to adopt? Like is uh, is my kind of inclination, mm-hmm. you know, a good idea? Or the money? is yeah, something absolutely. else you'd suggest? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you're having to use pronouns in communication, particularly written communication, but verbal as well, where you don't know a person's gender and therefore may not know the pronouns that they use. Yep. Um, then they is a good default gender neutral option. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Uh um yeah, I mean you you know, you referred there to people using different pronouns and you know, with in English we have, I guess, three main pronouns that we use for humans or groups of pronouns. He, him, and his for predominantly for people who are male or identify as men. Um, she, her, and hers for people who identify as female. And traditionally people have learned or assumed that we use they, them, and theirs for groups of people mm-hmm. um, where there might be, you know, mixed genders or even if it's, it is just a group of women or whatever. Um, but we've always used they, them, and theirs uh, if we don't know the gender of a person. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great default option. Um, and, and sorry, the, the main point there is that we use they, them, and theirs for single people when we don't know their gender. So, yes. yeah, it's always been a, a singular as well as a plural. Um, so, yeah, if you're having to write something a letter to your um, customers or you know you're promoting something if you can avoid using a gendered pronoun and use they you know whatever's correct in the context of your your writing um that's yeah a much more inclusive way to go for sure and how about things like you know I, I do a lot of training in my day job like addressing an audience of people mm. like I avoid ladies and gentlemen I actually can't off the top of my head tell you what term I use now thinking mm. about it. Something always comes out my mouth. I know it's yeah. never ladies and gentlemen. but what, Everyone is the, kind of a def- good Everyone? Yeah. Okay, cool. Hi, everyone, or um, valued customers. Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
don't use sir slash madam or he slash she or whatever it might be because obviously uh, you're defining everyone into the binary by just using those terms. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, you used as you know as a similar example. So, um, yeah, anything that is pretty gender neutral and doesn't assume the gender of anyone in the audience that you're addressing. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that little sidestep. Yeah. Um, important question. I guess the other thing around often what might happen in the service industry is the provision of toilets. Ah, yes. That um, popped into my mind when you were talking earlier about something. Yeah, yeah. One of my pet hates is if you, you go to the toilets in a cafe or a restaurant, wherever it might be, and, you know, there's only a single cubicle in each room, one's labelled female or women or, you know, some other cutesy term and the other's labelled for men. Um, so, again, you're automatically assuming the binary that everyone will fit into those two groups. Um, you're creating that sense of exclusion for anyone who doesn't necessarily fit in those two groups. And it also makes it awkward for people who are trans, so a trans woman, someone assigned male at birth, identifies as female, um, to feel awkward that somebody's seeing them, if, especially if they're, you know, they might still have some male characteristics having gone through male puberty. Um, they, you know, there's a real fear that people will judge them or stop them or, or, you know, say something nasty or even just look sideways at them entering the female toilets and, and vice versa as well. Um, so, you know, if there's no particular reason for you to have two gendered spaces, just label them both toilet. <laughs> mm. and I I can relate in a very 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 small way to what you said about the confusion about where to go because I went out to a restaurant in North Hobart last week or a couple of weeks ago and they had like you said the cutesy terms and they were in a different language and mm. I actually stood there for a moment going holy shit, which one, which one is actually <laughs> me? So it's like, yep. and it was that little moment of panic. I don't want to go into the wrong one and look like an idiot walking out of the wrong one. So, you know, like I said, my experience, totally different, but just yep. that little moment of panic, it's like I can appreciate mm -hmm. what someone might feel in that sort of sure. situation yeah no that's a good example but yeah as you say imagine being someone who experiences that every day yeah and plenty of trans people avoid going out in public or or you know drinking in public because they don't want to have to use a public toilet and, and be faced with that situation wow. yeah i hadn't thought of that i'm glad you brought that up thank you for that mm. one mm. so Liv, if a business wants to assess how inclusive it currently is like I kind of did when I had a bit of a look at my website. Sure, what yeah. advice would you give them on where to start and how they can identify some areas that could use improvement? I mean, you've mentioned a few already, but mm. like, if you were to give them a bit of a checklist or something to work with, what would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are some, you know, it's a pretty, um, uh, I guess, area that people want to know, what can I do to do better? So there are plenty of checklists or assessment tools that have been developed. Um, as you mentioned before, we mostly work in the kind of health and community sector space. So the one that we're most familiar with and refer people to is, is called the Rainbow Tick Assessment Tool. So the in the health and community services sector, there is a, a national accreditation called the Rainbow Tick. And 
in going through that, there is a, a assessment tool and a, a, it's a checklist of evidence that you can provide to say that you've, you know, addressed all these different areas. So that um, can be really useful. It goes into things like um, you know, systems, policies, risk management, um, how you've uh, consulted or got gained feedback from your staff and consumers or customers, um, what feedback systems you have in place, um, recruitment strategies, you know, are you are recruiting for diversity, um, compliance and legislation. Um, so I guess in Tasmania, the most relevant one there would be the Anti-Discrimination Act. How are you making sure you're compliant with that? Mm -hmm. um, workforce training, uh, community engagement. So how are you engaging with LGBTIQ plus groups in the community or businesses, et cetera? Um, uh, what have you done to address your physical and, and online environments? And you know, mentioned before having symbols and, and words that you know express your position, you know, you are an inclusive service, etc. Um, so that visible sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, fairly extensive checklist that goes through all that. Um I guess to look for one that's business specific, um, the Victorian government have done a lot of work in this space. Um they uh, did a what they I think they called it the Rainbow Roadshow around kind of regional Victoria. Oh wow! And did a really extensive consultation around lots of small towns and cities around regional Victoria. <coughs> um, developed a series of roadmaps and checklists for different sectors, and the business sector was one of them. Um, and business and other services, I think, was is the full title if you look it up. So, um, and they all their checklists focus on four key areas. So, um, understanding within your business, so that education side of things for for everyone in your on your staff, um, inclusion. So, how are you including LGBTIQA plus people and their thoughts and experiences in the way you do things? Um, so that kind of consultation side of things. Uh, visibility, so that you know, that visible stuff in your physical and online spaces. Um, so, yeah, how are you expressing your support, your allyship? Um, and then safety, so making sure your workplace is safe for LGBTIQA plus staff and that your services are safe for your, for, um, your customers. Awesome. And I'll um, include links to some of those things that you spoke about. I made notes of right. them um, in the show notes so people can check those out. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And so for people that want to go a bit a step further, like and would like to actively support the um, LGBTQIA plus community and support, you know, in, in the context of rights and showing mm. allyship mm. um how can they contribute to advocacy like what can they do to actually you know yeah. take the next step yeah yeah absolutely yeah so staying in touch with what's what's important to the community right now is um obviously a good first step so you know that you're putting your efforts in the right place so um working it out for example has a, a free quarterly e-news that our CEO sends out called Words Out. You can subscribe to that on our website. Um, as I said, that that particular newsletter is free and it just, um, uh, our CEO used it as an opportunity to highlight what a key issue might be for that quarter. Mm -hmm. um, 
to the it was the second quarter of this year. Uh, there was a lot of um, uh, sort of anti-trans stuff getting around in the community. So um, we had a campaign to help services and businesses show their support to the trans community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had had posters and badges and and you know uh, online material that you could put on your website or, or you know social media or whatever. Um, I guess another nice thing to do is to become a financial member of these different organisations. So you can join Working It Out. It's a very small fee for organisations, businesses. Um, another good one in Tasmania to follow, and following people on social media, obviously, is a, is a nice free way to keep up to date as well. So Working It Out has um, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Equality to Tasmania is the main kind of activist group in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I wear t- two hats if you like, so I'm also on the board of Equality Tasmania. Um, and, yeah, so they have a fairly active Facebook page. Instagram's a little bit of an issue at the moment. We're just trying to get some people who know how to use that because it's an entirely volunteer-based organisation. Um, so, yeah, uh, following what's happening on there and if I guess the, the beauty of social media is that you can then amplify key messages. So as a business or a, a service that wants to show your support for the community or for a particular issue, you can you can share whatever you see, um, encourage people to engage in whatever way it might be or do that, you know, engagement or, or action yourself. So often the quality test many might call for people to write to their local MPs about something or sign a petition or attend a rally or those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can help amplify the messages around those um yeah key actions um yeah they're probably the main things that come to mind I guess um participating in community events as well so there is a uh, annual Taz Pride festival um predominantly in the south although each year they try and engage people from across the state so um yeah, promoting those events, but participating in uh, sort of local at local levels as well. Um, if joining parades is the kind of thing you like to do, then anyone's welcome to join the parade. Um, uh, and I guess the final thing worth mentioning is an online directory that Working It Out run called Signpost, um, which currently is free to uh, get your business or service listed. Um, and you get a sticker to put in your window. So I spoke before about, you know, what can you put on the outside of your business before people even walk in the door. Um, so there's a sticker with um, welcome and some nice rainbow colouring in the shape of Tasmania. Um, and you can get that digitally to put on your website as well if you want to. Um, and, yeah, it's not a, an accreditation as such. It's just an opportunity for you to describe what your business is doing to be inclusive there's a couple of different badges that you can get. So if you've provided training for your staff, you can get a badge to say we've done workplace training. Um, if you've sponsored a, a local LGBTIQA plus group or event, you can get a badge to acknowledge that. Um, if you have forms and your forms are inclusive, um, then you can get a badge to acknowledge that. So there's, I think it's five or six different badges that you can get to acknowledge particular things that are of real importance. Yeah. And it, it's it's really easy. I've signed up for it, so I'm oh, great. I'm on the signpost. So it's it's very easy to do. Um, so you've given us a lot of information for, for Tasmanians. What are some like 
organizations on the mainland or people on the mainland for those who are not Tasmanians in the rest of Australia (laughs) um, or you know our US listeners for example like for them to find out or to connect with some organizations where they come from what what sort of terms would they want to Google search for example yeah 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 I mean I mean there are other big organizations just yeah in other states in Australia who do similar work to us I guess a similar thing to signpost that jumps to mind is one called the welcome here project that mm-hmm. uh, uh ACON is the group of the organization in New South Wales they um as happens with a lot of their stuff it starts out as New South Wales based and then goes national so I have been seeing the welcome here because they have a sticker system as well Mm-hmm. Um, we started ours without knowing about theirs, so they've kind of been operating in you know side by side. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, available. I think they have a ten dollar fee and similar sign up process, and and you get a sticker and other resources. I think. Um, uh, and the, yeah, there'd be similar organisations in every state that you could go to for information or training or. Um, uh, you know, uh, how to engage with advocacy or activism, etc. Equality Australia is is the national one that's mm-hmm. worth. Um, you know, they they will be highlighting whatever the key issues are around the country as well. Um, I'm trying to think in the US, I think there's human. I want to say human rights or equal rights, something like that. I'm picturing the logo, which. I was more familiar with when um, marriage equality was being debated in the mm-hmm. it was a Supreme Court in the US. Yeah, um, I think that yeah. So the the logo is a, an equal sign, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you search LGBT, and then that that will include any other combination of letters that you might have. So a lot of other countries around the world don't necessarily include the I or the A. All the extras. The yep. Q is a bit more common, um, but LGBT is a sort of base. And then, yeah, search whatever else is looking for. So workplace training or um, yeah, issues or uh, inclusion, yeah, whatever the key thing that is that you're looking for. Like you've spoken about sticking a rainbow sticker on a window um, and advertising for, you know, about being inclusive, it can be a bit of a tricky space. Mm. Like, do you have any tips on how businesses can authentically, you know, market and represent the community without seeming insincere, like they're just sticking mm. up a rainbow sticker to look like they're doing, you know, a good job? Yeah, yeah, there is that fear that people think um you know I don't I don't want to promote myself as inclusive just by putting up a rainbow sticker that it is a bit too tokenistic if you like um but at the same time it does send that message that at least you're thinking about this stuff mm-hmm. and you're open to feedback um you want to learn you want to change or or do what needs doing to to make your business more welcoming and friendly um so it can go alongside whatever early actions you're taking. It doesn't have to be that you got got everything perfect before you then go public. Yeah, um, because, that's actually really good advice right there. Yeah, it's it, it's hard to get to the point where you are doing 
everything possible. Yeah. Um, because, you know, language and, and um, attitudes and even expectations within the LGBTIQA plus community are, are changing all the time. You know, that expectation of adding the A is a relatively recent thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, the expectation is there for important reasons because um, asexual, aromantic and agender people were very invisible and not known widely about their, you know, their lived experiences and so on. So by adding that A, it adds that visibility. So by, you know, being visible, you're adding to the community that level of, oh, these people, these businesses, these services are thinking about me and are thinking about what might be different for me and, and other people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, or so you... just the the message that you're celebrating diversity. You yeah. know, that's that's really important too, that you're recognising diversity and, and you're doing what you can to to celebrate it so um yeah i'd say don't hold off in making a public statement or being visible until you think you've done done everything Mm -hmm. do do it sort of step by step but you know alongside each other yeah and you know if you don't want to overcommit at the start you know a statement like um you know we're, we're working towards inclusion or where you know we want to be as inclusive as we can be please provide your feedback and, and give us other ideas of other things that we can do so that way you're inviting that input and that consultation from community as well mm. and talk to your staff too if you've already got lgbtiqa plus people on your staff get ideas from them yeah i guess one of the important things is you know by all means put up your rainbow sticker but don't stop there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I I guess as a business sector, um, you know, money talks. <laughs> yeah. And so being able to put your your money where your mouth is in a way, like a lot of LGBTIQ plus community groups um are entirely run by volunteers and and they exist to support community members and and help with that you know community building connection belonging that I was talking about earlier and so yeah people often end up out of pocket in in trying to do that um so to look for ways to engage with local community groups who are you know running events or or you know doing a regular coffee morning or whatever it might be and helping them in a whatever financial or um other kind of donation of your time or uh, some sort of product or service or whatever it might be to help you know uplift them in in whatever it is that might they might be doing for the community out of the goodness of their own heart yeah no that's that's a really good point cool okay Mm. so can you give us some examples of some businesses or organizations that have done a really good job of embracing inclusivity and like just you know, maybe tell us a little bit about what made their efforts stand out. Mm. The, there's a couple that jump to mind and and I guess they are all queer-owned, to use that the shorthand of queer. Um, and so I guess automatically they you might think of them as being a little bit of ahead of, you know, of everyone else because they have that personal kind of lived experience. Um, but I mean, did you want me to name them by name or? Yeah, let's, if anyone's in Tasmania, go and support (laughs) these businesses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the ones that jumped to mind, um, 
mostly in the south of Tasmania because that's where I'm most familiar with. But uh, there's a gift shop in Criterion Street in the city called Red Parker, Hobart City. Um, and a, 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 they started out as a cafe, but now they're primarily a bakery. Well, I think the cafe might be on site at Moona as well, but it's called Baked Gluten-Free mm-hmm. um, out in Moona. Um, and as I'm talking about this, another one jumped to mind, a, a cafe in Hewenville called uh, DS Coffee House. Yep. Um, so they're all queer-owned, but they also do a lot of giving back to the community. So if you look on Red Parker's website, they've made a pledge to give a certain percentage of, percentage of their profits to um, LGBTIQA plus kind of philanthropic causes. Um, they, yeah, will always um, do what they can to amplify uh, queer community voices. They support events. Um, they, you know, donate prizes to raffles that are raising money for community events mm-hmm. or, or causes. Um, they uh, sell a lot of products made by local queer artists and uh, broadly, you know, any any kind of artist, but they, they embrace um, especially young queer artists as well. Um, uh, to my knowledge, Baked uh, is really keen on not only promoting LGBTIQA plus people, but women, they're women owned. Um, so uh, yeah, really good at, with diversity, uh, recruiting for diversity and their staff. So that's another mm-hmm. really key thing as well. Um, one that jumped to mind as, um, I guess, a, a non-queer owned business um, is a, a hair salon called I Am Hair. Um, operates out of a couple of little old re- uh, converted caravans down at Macquarie Point. Um, and, yeah, they just, over time, without any doing anything intentionally, built this reputation in the queer community as a good place to go for a haircut. Um, you know, got a lot of recommendations in on Facebook groups and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess I... I used to be a customer there and I kind of went out of my way to let them know where I worked and that you know this is what people thought of them and and mm-hmm. so they kind of responded to that I guess um, positive feedback from the community and, and went further in terms of what they could do so they had staff attend some training with us at Working It Out um, they have uh, added pronoun the use of pronouns that identify the pronouns of the the hair artists, I think they call themselves, mm-hmm. um, stylists, whatever language you might use. Uh, and um, I think they might, even in the, their booking form, they ask, you know, they give the option for people to indicate their um, pronouns when they're booking um, so that, yeah, when that person comes in, they don't need to make assumptions or they don't have, sometimes we're a bit awkward about asking people for, for their pronouns. It's not yeah. something that we commonly do. So having that the ability for people to indicate that on their form and um, is a is a signaler to the person making the booking that you know this is an inclusive space they they're asking for this important information they don't want to make assumptions um, but then it's also the information is then there for the the hairstylist um, and yeah they joined signposts so they've got the those sort of visible indicators on the windows of their business as well. Mm. So they're not like that. That's a really good example. It's like they're not enormous, huge things that they've done. They're all, you know, like in a way, small, doable, implementable mm. things. I think that's yeah. 
that's really important to know. It's like, like I said earlier, it can feel like this huge beast and it can be a bit scary to get start, but to get started, but yes. being able to build a business and, you know, starting a really small business um, and to create a safe space and be inclusive, like sounds like they've done a really awesome job. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time and insight and sharing all these different ways in which, you know, different businesses can become involved in becoming inclusive and supporting the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, Liv, is there one particular thing of all the things that you've told us today that you would really like our listeners to take away with them from this episode? Yeah, I mean, I guess something that I repeated a lot was not making assumptions, not making judgments yes. or, um, you know, having those expectations about what people should be like. Um, so, yeah, going into everything that you do, every interaction, every conversation, any kind of communication, you know, planning, designing, uh, with that idea in mind that anyone that you are engaging with could be from the LGBTIQA plus community um, and how are you making sure the way that you're communicating something or designing something or planning something includes um, that community. That That's kind of the the takeaway I guess yeah awesome thank you so much for your time no worries thanks Michaela it's been a pleasure thanks for tuning into our podcast if you enjoyed it hit subscribe if you'd like to learn more then check out our website www.workwifewinetime.com.au while you're there jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests until next time take care and drink responsibly